Kia ora, I'm Georgia. I'm Catherine. And I'm Molly. And you're listening to... Pimpod! Episode of Parent Pod. How are you, Georgia? Good, Catherine. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Bugs have got us this week, but you know, that's just, <sighs> I'm sure you're all sick of hearing us say this. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's probably in the same boat. Yeah. Right? Oh, oh my God. So true. But yeah, good. I'm definitely feeling so much better. Like, feel like I'm properly oh, in, my, good. in my second trimester. Started a little bit of heartburn when we got a takeaway the other night, but oh. it's holding off as long as I don't eat anything too spicy. So, yeah. fingers yeah. crossed. How, how many weeks are you now? What am I now? Four, am I 14 or 15 this week? Yeah. Third child, who cares? Classic third child. <laughs> I haven't even looked. I don't think I even, no, I don't have an app. I should probably get one. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, what about oh, well, you? I'm so, I'm so pleased you're feeling better. Um, yeah, good. Just saying like bugs, basically. Oh. I feel like the kid, the kids are actually really good. It's more um, Tomo and I now. Oh. I don't know. We were saying the other day, gosh, and then we'll stop talking about this, but we were like, I wonder if um, after COVID our immune systems are really low because I feel like we also can't catch a break. Like the kids can't, but we also can't. Mm. I was also thinking, though, that when we were both teaching, I never used to catch anything. Like I didn't have any sick days. Um, True. And I think as a teacher, you have a really good immune system, don't you, from all the bugs and clearly not being at work for a couple of years has really done a number on my immune system. Yes, agreed. And actually we were saying like we, yeah, the last couple of years we didn't get any bugs at all. And I don't know if that was COVID or whatever, but yeah. We're paying for it. (laughs) Yep, we are now. Hopefully next winter will be better. And hey, we're nearly through it. Yeah. Nearly through winter. I have to say we saw a light at the end of the tunnel this weekend because we had Hector's second birthday party, which all the emotions, I I, I really feel like when they're two, they're, they're not a baby anymore. Whereas up to no. two, I was like, oh, they're def- they are my baby. So, And Hector's always been, he's like Flo, like, you know, Flo's like the little baby. Yeah. Hector's kind of been like that too. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, to so many friends, he was baby Hector. <laughs> and now he's yeah. like this rambunctious two-year-old. But we had his birthday party and we had it outdoors at a playground, like in the middle of August. Oh, and it was 20, 24 degrees. Oh my gosh, were you like, Hector, this is probably the only time you'll ever get a birthday party like this. Don't get your hopes up when we go back to New Zealand. Oh, totally. We only planned it like three or four days before when we saw how good the weather was and then just went for it. And we both said we never thought our August-born baby was going to get to have an outdoor birthday party. But yeah, make the most of it when we're back in Christchurch. It's not happening. (laughs) Well, because we're having a wee party for Flo on Saturday because she is one on Thursday which is hard to believe congrats survived yeah a whole year with two kids (laughs) oh how I don't know but (laughs) they got there 
Um, and yeah, I think it's meant to be about 10 or 11 degrees. So we will be inside <laughs> probably with the fire on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's something. You actually, I remember with um, Hugh's second party when we went, you had got lots of toys from the toy library mm. and you inspired me. So we went and got a few like bigger things from the toy library. Yeah. Um, for her wee party. Not that there's going to be many kids at all, but yeah, just for, I thought that was such a great idea to have like different fun toys from the toy library for the yeah. party. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Like the slides and the soft play equipment. That's, yeah. It's so like toy libraries. I just can never, ever get oh. over how incredible they are. Oh my gosh. We can walk to ours. It's just down oh. the road. And a couple of weeks ago, Harry went three times in one morning and we said <laughs> that was actually the activity for the day, going to the toy library. <laughs> I was chatting to friends about toy library just the other day and one of them said to me, like, I've never known stress like the Saturday morning when you've got to bring stuff back to the toy library. Oh, and yeah. And someone picked something that has like 80 pieces. Yeah, my husband. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got to find everything. And then, that, like the other day with Harry, when I wanted to pack it all up, he was like, "No, I want to play with this now." Oh. And I was like, "You haven't really played with it for the last few days, yeah. and now you want to play with it." But because we can walk, he always gets these like massive cars. <laughs> or at the moment, he's got a John Deere tractor because he <gasps> can just ride it home. Uh gosh that is so good I just love the fact it's like plastic crap then you don't have in your house forever oh yes yeah that's the best part about it you say right we can have this for two weeks and then if it's an annoying toy you're like right let's never get that one again oh yeah yeah never again oh that's so (laughs) exciting you've got her first birthday party yeah we um, believe we did say we were like um none of the people like there were maybe like i don't know like 12 15 kids at hugh's one and we're like none of these children are actually hector's friends they're all hugh's friends that he's just like inherited (laughs) because second child doesn't get their own friends that's so true yeah i imagine playing the same is it just harry's friends and siblings i was yeah i was actually thinking that i think no do you know what it's actually still our friends and some of them happen to have kids yeah and you're like you'll get along guys it's fine yeah forced forced friends oh yeah yeah that's what it's all about i was just thinking let's enjoy this now when it is yeah basically your friends because when they get to school and you have to invite like the entire class and it's drop-off parties I've been warned about drop-off parties and then you end up like babysitting for half a day yeah no thank you make the most of being able to just invite your friends yeah very casually being a party for you and being able to have like a wine at the party which I don't think you can do when you've got a whole class full yeah (laughs) tempting very tempting (laughs) Um, so we should probably get into this week's episode Yes, wonderful episode with Claudia. Mm. Um, And I think this is really useful for anyone if they are going through fertility struggles or if you're pregnant or I actually just found it really useful um, in general. She had some great budget saving tips which I found very handy. So yeah, it's one for everyone actually. Yeah, we recorded with her probably what, um, two, three weeks ago now and since then... I've made such because she gave us some great examples of things to like switch out, didn't she? And since then, yeah. I've made those 
changes and they've been so simple kind of cost neutral and it's yeah it's great because I'm like great I'm getting a bit more nutrition to everyone with just a really easy swap like the classic one with spaghetti oh. bolognese with like swapping the, yep. the mints and the type of pasta and stuff you just think great easy small wins isn't it yeah 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 definitely so let's get into it Today we have Claudia from Fertility Nutrition Dietitian on the show. Claudia is a leading certified fertility and pregnancy dietitian with a special interest in unexplained infertility, miscarriage and microbiome nutrition. Whether you're struggling to conceive, are already pregnant or you're battling reproductive health conditions such as PCOS or endometriosis, Claudia and her team are there to help. Her mission is to help people improve their fertility, have healthy pregnancies, and give their babies a head start in life. Thank you so much for um, coming and chatting to us today, Claudia. We were just saying that you have been highly um, requested, so thank you so much for giving up your time today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's such an important topic, so it's it's really great to be able to, to chat about it with you guys, and I'm loving your podcast Oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank yeah. you. It's um, yeah, it's something everybody wants to know about, don't you? Because you just, uh, I think you know, and you, you want to start a family, you want to give your children the best start in life, and you know, with so much around the first thousand days, which is from conception, isn't it? You um, mm. you really want to be yeah, yeah giving them well, the best start. Well, interestingly, um, the first thousand days actually starts prior to conception which sort of makes quite a lot of sense ah. when people are having difficulty conceiving. So the in terms of how far prior to conception, it starts somewhere between one and three months. Um, wow. So to roughly that second year of life. So um, sometimes that can be a little bit concerning for people when they look back and think about what they were doing prior to their <gasps> conception. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can hear you guys. Yeah, I know, that's so Look, concerning. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you can only control what you can control, but I think what is yeah. unique about people who are struggling to get pregnant um, for whatever reason is that they have a unique opportunity to really modify their nutrition and their lifestyle, which is not only going to help improve their chances of conception, but it does have a genetic influence and helps to really set up um, the, you know, helps to give their baby a head start in life. So yeah, there's a unique opportunity for, um, and a slight silver mm. lining if there ever could be one for people who are yeah. um, going through fertility challenges. Mm. So um, what is it that you do, Claudia, in your role as a fertility nutritionist? Yeah, well, um, I know what is a fertility dietitian. So I guess firstly, um, <laughs> I'm a dietitian. So that is slightly different oh, okay, to a nutritionist. Yeah. So a right, dietitian okay. can call themselves a nutritionist, but a nutritionist can't call themselves a dietitian so it's a protected right, term. right. Um, yeah in New Zealand you have to have a master's in dietetics so you do a, an undergraduate science degree majoring in human nutrition and then go on to do a master's degree um, and oh, then wow. you have to be registered with the New, New Zealand Dietitians Board and undergo continuing competency each year and we're bound by the same legislation oh, wow. as doctors um, and other registered health professionals. So we're actually, the public is protected by legislation so that if 
we were to give inaccurate nutrition advice, you can lay a formal complaint through the Health and, Di- Health and Disability um, Code. So oh, okay. that's important because complaints can mm. be upheld, whereas mm. um, unfortunately nutritionist is an unregulated term and anyone can use that term and if incorrect advice is right. given, then unfortunately there's no um, there's no protection for the general public. Okay. That's oh, wow. really handy to know. Yeah, really handy. I didn't realise that. Mm. Yeah, so I think first and foremost it is good to determine whether or not someone's a nutritionist or a dietitian. Um, what mm-hmm. exactly is a fertility dietitian? That is basically a dietitian who has specialised in the area of fertility. And um, what I do is that I help um, to give people diet and lifestyle advice that's going to help improve their chances of conception, help to help them to have healthier pregnancies and help, um, you know, set up the fundamentals of the first 1,000 days of a child's life. Mm. Wow, such important, amazing work. Yeah, that really is. And something that I imagine wasn't around has or hasn't been around for very long you know I feel mm. like more and more you're hearing about yeah like we said the first thousand days and you know what you can be doing pre-pregnancy and um, I guess even you know taking folic acid isn't that recent is it? Yeah well I think that, that the folic acid has been determined for a reasonable amount of time but I guess the the um, impact of nutrition on fertility has certainly gain more attention in recent years and and that's mm. probably a lot to do with you know some research published by the Harvard School of Public Health and they undertook some research which showed that making five or more diet and lifestyle changes could actually improve someone's fertility by up to 69 percent wow so, that's wow. a huge amount yeah yeah it is huge and you know when we're looking at things like IVF, there is only Mm. approximately a 50% likelihood that you will end up with a live birth, which is the gold standard measure. So, um, and also the, one of the biggest factors associated to infertility is age, which we can't do anything about. So it makes the Mm. things which are modifiable all the more important and nutrition is a modifiable Mm. factor. Yeah. That's so interesting. And yeah. it's making me feel a bit nervous mm. now. <laughs> Thinking back. <laughs> oh, no. Look, nutrition is, um, and I say this to all my clients, you know, nutrition is one pillar. So there are lots of things involved in the first 1,000 days while we're on that topic. And nutrition is just one pillar. So don't mm. beat yourself up. Um, <clears throat> and also what's, you know, you can't control what you can't control. Um, I think it's, mm. it's just, for me, for me, it's important to raise the awareness of the importance of preconception nutrition um, so that people can be empowered to make mm. changes themselves without necessarily having to rush off and have treatment, which is super costly. Mm. Um, oh, because yeah. not only does, yeah, and, and not only will you know can nutrition improve your fertility but it supports your your mental well-being as well uh, through the gut microbiome Mm. and um 
yeah so there's lots of positives and yeah it's Mm. good to spread that spread that message oh definitely yeah definitely yeah um so how common are fertility issues and problems well in new zealand approximately one in six kiwis will experience infertility and that will be 30 percent uh usually male factor associated 30 percent female uh, 30% both and 10% unexplained. Um, yeah, and, you know, in terms of factors contributing to infertility, there are anatomical issues, both in the male and the female reproductive systems, um, underlying medical conditions, um, age, which we've talked about, genetic factors, and then obviously uh, diet and lifestyle factors as well. So within those categories there's only so much that you can actually control um Mm. yeah and i think um what i find quite interesting is that often age has been heavily um or you know a a delay in in childbearing has been Mm. given a lot of weight in terms of its impact on fertility and whilst age absolutely does have a detrimental impact we know that um you know a 2021 study in new zealand found that you know a quarter of people were experiencing infertility among new zealand european women or people and the levels were just as high for maori and even higher for pacific people despite them experiencing infertility at a younger age so what that tells us is that we we really should be focusing on reducing causes of infertility other than age, other than mm-hmm. the delayed childbearing. So that's further evidence that there's other factors going on here. It's not just age. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think what's important around the nutrition and lifestyle factors, which are modifiable, is that that will help to reduce the health disparities between the different cultures in New Zealand because yeah. we can see through this evidence is that there's, you know, the prevalence is higher amongst Pacific people and it's happening younger. Right. Yeah. So what, um, um, if you explaining it to us who <laughs> probably have a very limited understanding, but what do they, what do you think it is about the nutrition that is, that, can improve your fertility is it the quality of the egg or is it just I don't know your your whole well-being yeah that's a really good question and I think that comes it's quite a hard question to answer because it's different for everybody and that's why seeking Mm -hmm. individualized advice is so important Mm -hmm. if that's possible um when we're looking at optimizing someone's fertility, we're looking at egg and sperm quality. Mm-hmm. We're looking at mm-hmm. optimizing embryo implantation, and we're looking at reducing risk for miscarriage. So nutrition right. influences all of those factors. Um, mm-hmm. And with egg quality and sperm quality, we know that there are certain dietary um choices which have a which can cause more inflammation which then impairs the quality of the 
DNA within the eggs and sperm. So on the flip side of that, mm. having making really healthy uh, diet and lifestyle choices can help reduce inflammation and help protect um, the DNA integrity in the egg and sperm, which will then go on to help uh, create a good quality embryo. Um, and mm. yeah, so that's about a little bit around egg and sperm quality. Um, in terms of mm. um, embryo implantation, it's quite a lot of work that we do here at Fertility Nutrition is around optimizing the uterine microbiome of, of people who are having right. um, an embryo transfer. And there's more research coming out which shows that women who are infertile have different types of bugs in their uterus than, say, women who are more fertile. Um, oh. And there are actually tests. Yeah, it's really interesting. So there are actually tests that fertility clinics are offering now called the Emma and the Alice tests. And they're looking for a condition called chronic endometritis, which is different to endometriosis and it's a chronic infection okay. in the uterus treated with antibiotics and they're also looking at a microbiome analysis in, in the uterus so um, and you know so that comes down to antibiotic treatment probiotic treatment with the correct mm. strain and dose and then from a dietary perspective we're looking at um, optimizing your microbiome and that can be through um, a multitude of dietary dietary factors, but one of those is incorporating pre and probiotic foods in the diet. Yeah, it's so interesting. So isn't you can. It, it, is, it really is interesting, interesting. and it's it's probably you know the more we talk about it, the more sort of it's like an onion. There's so many layers to it, and this yeah. is why you know I go back to that tailored advice and why that's so important because you know, part of yeah. an assessment with a fertility dietitian is actually understanding what your unique fertility challenges are. And someone may have an issue with egg quality and someone may have an issue with embryo implantation. Um, yeah. And someone might have an issue with both. And our nutrition recommendations and our plan for those people will, will be different. Mm, so there course, isn't yeah. this one size... There isn't this one size fits all, um, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always the way. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so um, bearing that in mind, what does, for a more general public, what would the ideal diet look like when you're trying to conceive? Yeah, good question. There are some specific factors which evidence shows. Um, can have an impact so I'll run through mm. some of these which I hope people can take away from today and implement in their day-to-day -day life um, which evidence shows are going to have a positive impact um, and you know the reason why um, individualized advice is ideal is because we all have different taste preferences cultural influences medical conditions body composition, uh, family history. Um, so, you know, all of those things have an impact. But in saying that, as a general rule, if 
we can increase the amount of fruit and vegetables that we're having, then that has a really mm-hmm. positive impact. So, you know, we all know that five plus a day from when we were, um, well, when I was at primary school, I remember that message, mm. but that's actually, um, it should be at least seven plus a day. So we're looking at two fruits right. and five servings of low starch vegetables. Um, so that's a really important foundation to a good fertility diet. Yeah. And, you know, if you ask yourself, you know, how many serves of fruit did I have today? You know, are you able to answer that question? Do you know what a serving of fruit looks like? Mm. And, you know, a lot of it is being more mindful around increasing your servings of fruit and vegetables and incorporating those in your day-to-day diet. Um Another um, important change is around reducing saturated and trans fats. Um, Typically in New Zealand, we don't have a huge amount of trans fats in our diet, um, which is good, but Mm. we are seeing more and more fancy food products come on the market. um, And particularly under the sort of, um, I guess the, the, the term plant-based, so plant-based desserts and plant-based ice creams. Now, from what I've seen, some of those products, um, whilst marketed as healthy under the plant-based slogan, are using uh, the likes of hydrogenated coconut oil, which Mm. is actually a trans fat because of that hydrogenation process. So it takes a saturated fat to a trans fat and we want to be minimizing our saturated fat intake anyway, which is from our, you know, um, butter and mostly processed foods, um, processed red meats, um, the visible fat we see on meat, um, pastries, um, and then also your coconut um, products. And the trans fats are very much in highly processed foods in New Zealand and hydrogenated margarines. Right. Mm. right. Okay. okay. So to kind of summarize the, those fats into a take home, it would be to eat less processed foods. Yeah. 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 Which is probably good for everybody yeah. anyway, isn't it? Or a good reminder. <laughs> Yeah, a good reminder. And it's really easy to go, oh, look, we'll just get that. We'll get that ice cream. It looks delicious. And whether or not it's a plant-based one or, a, you know, just a standard um, dairy-based ice cream, if you look at the ingredient list and the amount of um, additives and E-numbers and thickening agents and the nutrient yeah. profile, you're much better off trying to make a dessert at home like a raspberry and apple chia crumble with uh, like a vanilla probiotic yogurt or something that I share with all of my clients is um, a pudding cup which is yogurt fruit pumpkin seeds and some dark chocolate so you're going from process Mm, to whole foods Mm, yeah yeah and it's delicious yeah sounds delicious I mean, who's going to turn their nose up at a crumble? Yeah. No, yum. Love a crumble. Yeah. (laughs) Was there any other foods that you wanted to talk about there, Claudia? Yes, please. So another um, 
change which I alluded to is around um, reducing processed red meats. So it's the processed red meats in particular which are really detrimental. So your bacon, ham, pastrami, um, those deli meats, um, which are have a very negative impact on your fertility and uh, inflammatory. So if we can reduce those in your intake of those and choose unprocessed meats and more seafood, um, particularly mm. oily fish like salmon, um, mm. and um, even better if you can replace some of that processed red meat with a plant protein. But when I say plant protein, I mean from a whole food so that legume and pulse food group which is your chickpeas okay. um, beans lentils you know red kidney beans even baked beans um, nut seeds um, from that group is uh, so we you know so one particular study I mean it was just one study but it found that by substituting just 25 grams of animal protein for plant protein a day could improve your fertility by 50%. Um, Gosh. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and the, those um, that recommendation was also echoed by Harvard. So, um, so there's, you know, plant proteins in that legume food group are a really, really good one to be including um, in mm. your you know, in your week, in your weekly shop. Um, yeah. And they're so, so much cheaper as well, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. So. They are. They're really cheap. They're really cheap and really mm. accessible. Um, and you can use canned. You don't have to use, yeah. um, be, you know, preparing them from scratch. If you are going to use canned, you know, it's good to be choosing the BPA free option. Uh, mm, BPA okay. is a, um, a chemical which is used to line the cans of um, canned food. So we want to be choosing a can which specifically has on the label BPA free. Right. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. So that's quite important. Um, and in terms of other dietary changes, choosing whole grains is important. So that's switching from white rice to brown rice. Um, mm -hmm. Having, you know, cornflakes to wheat bix or even better, oats. Um, yeah, going from your standard white spaghetti to a wholemeal spaghetti. And I guess you can tra transition that. You can, if you're not used to having wholemeal pasta, and I know that, if you gave, if I gave my husband wholemeal pasta, he'd probably spit it back out at me. So um, <laughs> what I do, so, so what I do try and um, get clients to do if they, if they find that change a bit too um, extreme is just to blend white with wholemeal and then gradually adjust the ratios until your palate mm -hmm. adjusts because your taste preferences will adjust. And it's the same with mm -hmm. children as well. I guess you could potentially yeah. lump children and husbands in the same group. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that sounds like my I children. Might... <laughs> <laughs> might, I might get in trouble by saying that, but it's not very PC, <laughs> is it? Um, yeah. And then there are some other factors like reducing your alcohol content and making sure that you're not having excessive caffeine. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to cut coffee out altogether. 
that you absolutely can have coffee. It's just about not having too much total caffeine. That's one thing that I see asked a lot um, when people are pregnant or breastfeeding is about the caffeine intake. I think people think they can't have any caffeine while they're pregnant or breastfeeding. Do you have any thoughts around that? Mm. Well, the recommendation by, um, you know, the New Zealand Rural College of um, Gynecologists and Obstetricians is for women to have less than 200 milligrams of caffeine per day in pregnancy. However, there was a review study done, which was a a very large study, um, and it was a a meta-analysis, but it was a review. So it wasn't new research. It was just reviewing all of the, the research that had been done and it was published sort of relatively recently, like in the last um, couple of years. And it was looking at the effect of caffeine intake in pregnancy. And it really, um, its finding was that really there may be no safe level of caffeine in pregnancy. So right. this is where, okay. you know, it, get, it gets a little murky. Certainly from a fertility perspective, it's Mm. okay to have a little little bit of caffeine. But in pregnancy, Mm -hmm. I guess it would come down to a person's history. You know, if you're someone who's had multiple miscarriages and a long journey to pregnancy and motherhood, it's very understandable to warrant switching to decaf or having no caffeine in your diet or no coffee, like strong sources, Mm. doesn't mean that that person can't have any chocolate in their pregnancy, enjoy a bit of dark chocolate. I think that that is taking the the findings to the absolute extreme, and it's certainly not something that I would be recommending. Okay. No, that's good to know. It's interesting. Mm, It is interesting. I think it's a balance, and it's about – understanding um i guess what or working um making decisions on what feels right for you based on your history if you're someone who really loves that morning Mm -hmm. coffee and it's really important to you then that might Mm. be absolutely fine to to include just make sure it's a single shot as opposed to a double shot and that simple change can mean the difference between having more than 200 milligrams and having 100 to 150 milligrams, which is where I would sort of um, recommend people sit. Yeah, just so they give themselves a bit of a buffer. Yeah, that's really good to know what that looks like, you know, how you picture what that would be on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Yeah, Mm. I think that's, you know, when you asked me at the beginning what, you know, what is a fertility dietitian and what do we do, often people will... Think of a dietitian as um, someone who's going to cut out all your favourite foods, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do, we tend to um, spend more time bringing food into people's diets and mm. giving you really okay. achievable changes, which mm. are not overwhelming and they're um, achievable for you, and but they help to achieve your goals. So um, Mm. we spend much more time trying to get more food in, actually, rather than um, restricting. So we don't believe in restrictive diets because there is no 
real evidence for them. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So just debunking that wee myth about what a dietitian is and what they do. <laughs> Um, so Claudia, how about during pregnancy? We have both been um, subject to the beige diet in the kind of at least first 12 weeks. And I remember with my first really, really worrying about yeah. this and thinking, I cannot even look at a vegetable. Yeah. The thought of a vegetable is making me feel really nauseous. Veggies There's no the way worst. I can eat it. Oh, oh just, yeah, was a was a huge no-go. Is, is that an issue? This is a really good question. And look, I know that beige diet extremely well. Um, I was there for 18 weeks. Yeah. And um, the oh, only time right. I didn't feel... only time I didn't feel sick in my pregnancy was when I was eating. And, it, you know, I'm a dietitian, so it was one of those things that you can only control what you can control. So, yeah. firstly... Yeah. With a with a beige diet, there are there are things that we can do, um, and we can choose foods which are fortified with nutrients. So you know this is where we're looking at foods which are fortified with B vitamins and things like cornflakes okay. and wheat bix become quite handy. Um, oh. Okay, it is yeah. So and using fortified bread as well is another way that we can. Um, get more nutrients in without actually having to eat the perfect diet. And I I think it's very unusual for women to be able to have a really optimal diet, particularly in that first trimester. It's mm-hmm. very, very common to be have quite significant food aversions, which is why I feel quite strongly about optimizing nutrition prior to conception to help set you up and ensure you've got good nutrient stores going into a pregnancy because the likelihood is is that what you Mm -hmm. eat is going to be very different to what you had envisaged um yes yeah yes (laughs) so the most important thing really is that you do take your a minimum of 400 micrograms of folic acid and that you're taking iodine it would be a good idea to take a um a good quality prenatal vitamin particularly if you're really struggling um and then yeah. i would try and focus on when the time of day that you feel the best or the least nauseous okay. and the least mm-hmm. and really optimize make your main meal of the day at that time so if that's at breakfast, so mm-hmm. be it. If it's at lunchtime, so be it. Usually it's around the middle of the day. Um, so trying to optimize your intake and then choosing um, snacks which are cold can be quite helpful as well. Mm. Um, the you know having hot and cooked foods can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, and can trigger more yes, nausea. Yeah. Utilizing um citrus fruits and ginger can be helpful and eating little and often so rather than you know you'll know that going for long periods of time without eating in pregnancy makes you feel really sick um and Mm. eating too much can make you feel sick so it's about having that little and often and i try and get clients if they're feeling 
quite sick towards the end of the day to have sort of the snack plate where they've got a, a variety of different foods and it might be some carrot sticks or some red grapes, some berries or fruit, maybe some nuts if they can tolerate dry crackers, something like your Vita wheat um, and just some very plain foods. Um, a mm. Stewed apple can be really good for that pregnancy nausea. Um, ginger tea yeah so they're all strategies that you can use but every pregnancy is different so what you might be able to tolerate could be very different for the next person and also from you day to day Mm. (laughs) it will keep changing most likely so I think you have to keep keep challenging yourself um, and keep yourself hydrated um, but it might be that you can utilize a little bit of, um, you know, orange juice, which can also be a good source of folate. Um, and mm. if you're able, if you're lucky enough to be able to tolerate a smoothie, you might be able to add a little bit of spinach in that smoothie because it doesn't have an overbearing mm. taste in the smoothie when it's in a smoothie. So there's sort of little tricks that you can use to help mm. optimize what you are eating. Um, I think if you are concerned, it's worthwhile getting some advice from a dietitian because it can actually really help to have that support. And I mean, how hard is Mm. it on your mental health when you're feeling so sick all the time? So I think getting a bit of extra support has um, its benefits aside just to nutrition. It also helps you mentally as well. Yeah. 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 I'm actually in the midst of this right now. I've just, I'm just 12 weeks and I'm like, I'm on maximum oh. dose of Danzatron. <laughs> and today, all I've Rash. managed is two ice blocks and a bowl of Cheerios. <laughs> Just, oh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a horrific diet. But I'm like, I've got two, I've got a two and a three-year-old at home with me. And you're just like, I can't, I just... Um, Ice blocks are the only way I can get fluids in at the moment. Water makes me so sick. Yes. Oh. Yes. And that's right. You know, the um, plain water can, sparkling water or soda water might be more tolerable. Um, But again, Uh, it it does vary from person to person. Um, And I guess one of the side effects of Ondansetron, without going into, you know, too much detail here, particularly for you, given your current situation, is the the side effect of constipation, which, again, can make you more nauseous. Um, So trying to manage it with. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's tough. Look, it's not easy. Um, It's so hard. I think the guilt is so hard too, isn't it? I I really do believe that you can only control what you can control um, and optimizing when you're feeling well is, is all you can do. You know, uh, the sparkling water, um, flavored water, some fruit Mm, juice, ice blocks, even, even um, milk or yogurt, because those foods will count as fluids. Um, Mm. Oh yeah. You know, Yeah, stewed apple, watermelon, uh, red grapes. If you're having Cheerios, maybe think about can you switch to cornflakes or a set or look on your Cheerio packet mm. and see if it is um, fortified. Um, and you may mm. switch to if you're having that with milk. Milk, you could switch to 
a calcium trim milk or a yellow top, which is fortified with additional calcium and protein. Oh. These are great I was tips. totally picturing um, Cheerios as like Savaloys. Oh. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Random that that's something that you can stomach. Like the thought of that was making me feel quite sick, and I'm not pregnant. <laughs> so that makes it's that amazing. now I'm like my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. So true. Someone said to me as well, um, sour things can be great, and I put really sour apples in the fridge the other day, and actually that was amazing. Like cold sour apples. Mm. Ah. Mm. Fantastic. I don't know why, it's, but you know, it was. These are serving a fruit, <laughs> right? So maybe try yeah, um, yeah. my one a week. During... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. But hopefully th- the other thing you can do is if you're having, you know, Cheerios and you might, whether or not you stick with that and you have a calcium trim milk, you might try and add some, even some tinned fruit. Um, mm, that's a great just, idea, yeah. Yeah, just making little little tweaks. Mm. This is so useful because I feel like I don't have the brain capacity to think about how to make these simple things more nutritious. So it's great you telling me these things. <laughs> yeah, look, I agree. Some, I, and I think it's it's really hard when you've got small children, and you know, mm. I think that's one of the benefits um, and one of the things that clients tell us is that it's just really nice to have be given. Um, a really mm-hmm. clear achievable plan because then mm-hmm. they don't have to yes. spend hours googling and um, and whilst they're not it's it may not seem like rocket science um, and they are simple changes but they are achievable and meaningful for you where you're at um, and look yeah. when you're in it it's it's often hard to see your way out isn't it mm. yeah mm. um so um what it will pass both the people trying to it will pass it must do i'm not going to be like this the rest of my life (laughs) um (laughs) so for people who are trying to conceive or in early pregnancy or any point in pregnancy what are some budget friendly options or alternatives you could go for because i suppose at the moment i think everyone is i look at the price of fresh fruit when i'm buying for my children and just think this is crazy how does anybody get seven portions into each of their children every day you know fruit when it costs this much so what are some good budget-friendly mm. alternatives that we can look at mm. I agree the cost of living at the moment is really tough um, so some of my favorites are to stock up on frozen and canned foods and also to use seasonal produce and freeze it where possible. Um, So some examples would be frozen edamame beans, which are, you know, plant protein, really high in fiber, um, frozen peas. So utilizing those frozen stir fry mixed veg, frozen peas, frozen edamame beans, frozen berries, even buying berries in season when they're cheaper and freezing them. Um, Then using your canned foods, which, you know, we talked about earlier and 
Georgia, you um, highlighted how they are more cost-effective, which they are. So this is, mm. you know, baked beans, chickpeas, lentils, red kidney beans. So you may take, say, a traditional spaghetti bolognese and you might use 50% less premium mints and you might then add in a can of lentils or a can of chickpeas or a can mm. of red kidney beans. So you're making the protein, adding more fiber and nutrition to that meal. You're reducing the saturated fat, but also the cost because of the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Utilizing, you know, can, canned tomatoes um, and canned fruit as well. It doesn't have to be all fresh. You can have a variety. Um, and also, good pantry staples like rolled oats um and um yeah some of those um household staples wholemeal flour bran so you can make you know homemade muffins um Mm. can be um a, a great way also use you know to also make your own muesli um make your own overnight oats ways to to um to get around that and another good um never has there been a better time than now to invest in a vegetable garden however the Mm. the outlay of that might be might be a a bit great but you can do potted herbs and even that addition of um you know fresh mint or parsley rosemary thyme um they're great nutrient dense additions to any meal um and you know, if you can grow those yourself, yourselves in a pot, that can um, that can be a really cost-effective way for getting more more nutrition in. But I agree, it's a really difficult time, and it certainly makes you think what you're putting in the trolley. Yes, it really does. Mm. And I I don't know about you, but I find like my children eat a lot of fruit, and I think oh they have it, and then it means I eat yes, less. Yes, I agree. <laughs> You know, if I've only got a few pieces of fruit left, I'm like, oh, well, I have to save it for them. I can't have it myself. That's a really interesting point that you raise. And it is actually something that's been found in um, nutrition surveys is that mothers will be the ones who hold back when there is a level of food Mm. insecurity in the household. So if there's a shortage of food, it's the mothers who will go without. Um, Yeah. And yes, so... You know, this is where we can utilize, you know, stewed apple, um, preserved fruits, canned, frozen. Mm. Um, And bearing in mind that a serving size for a child is different to a serving size for an adult. So it's not the same seven serves is looks very different for your children than what it does for you. which is good. Um, How do you know a rough serving size? Is it like the palm of your hand or is that? Yeah. So a really good indication for a piece of fruit is a medium, is a medium um, piece. Um, So for an adult, that might be two, two apricots for a child because they're much smaller. A serve would be one apricot. Okay. And so you, you're absolutely right. Using your hand is a, is a good guide. So a cupped hand of vegetables is a serve, and that can be half a cup of cooked mm. vegetables, 
So for an adult, that is a lot bigger than what it is for a child. Oh, that's yeah. really that's a really good reference point because yeah, with the kids, I just assume it's like seven bananas not that i'd give them seven bananas yeah. in one day but they'd never poo again but, <laughs> but i just assumed it was equate a serving equated to a piece one piece of fruit mm. no it's um yeah so you know size counts size of the human counts um, <laughs> just to finish up, Claudia, if someone is, if they're listening and um, perhaps they are struggling to conceive at the moment, when is a good time to reach out for help? Yeah, good question. Um, ideally, the sooner you can get access to a fertility dietitian, the better. It's a great way of hopefully fast tracking your fertility mm. journey. Um but a good reference is at least three months prior to conception. Now, the reason for that is because whilst we're born with all the eggs that we have, um, they go through a maturation process uh, where they go from an immature follicle into a mature egg ready for ovulation. And that process takes roughly three months. Um, and in that time period, that is when they're really sensitive to oxidative damage from lifestyle factors, chemical exposure, okay. poor dietary choices, excessive alcohol, excessive caffeine, some of the things that we've been talking about. And if the balance is out between, you know, the free radicals and our antioxidants, then that can lead to oxidative damage, which impairs the DNA quality in the egg. So ideally three months prior to conception if there's planned fertility treatment three months prior to that is giving us the best opportunity to to help you optimize the success of that treatment okay and if someone is wanting to get some help um from from you for example how how do they go about doing that so they can go to our website fertilitynutrition.co.nz they can book a nutrition assessment if they are wanting to um, jump straight in and get started with the process or if they're not sure if we're the right fit they can book a free discovery call with me and I can discuss their individual situation and whether or not we would be the right fit and what services might be appropriate for them um, so we we it's nice to be able to offer that to people and get an understanding of of um I think it's nice just for people to be able to have a good chat first before they commit to something if they you know might be worried that they're going to be put on a really restrictive vegetarian diet and I can help <laughs> yeah. alleviate those concerns that we, there'll be no restriction um yeah so the website is a good option uh, there's also uh, our Instagram page, which is Fertility Nutrition Dietitians, and that has got lots of resources on it, um, lots of infographics and information around reproductive health, fertility, pregnancy, nutrition. So um, there's that, and there is also a Facebook page, um, Fertility Nutrition NZ. Lovely. We'll pop links to all of those um, on our Instagram stories when we release this episode. Oh, thank you. 
No, thank you. This has been so informative. Well, I hope it's been helpful, particularly given your current predicament. I hope that you're able to take <laughs> some of what we've talked about and optimise things a little bit. Um, but Definitely. yeah, it is, it is um, yeah, I mean, naturally I'm biased because I'm a fertility dietitian, but, you know, I'm still amazed at the, um, the some of the, the outcomes that we've had when we work with clients, clients who've had failed multiple rounds of failed IVF, um, never before pregnant, um, never been able to achieve a genetically viable embryo through six rounds of IVF and after working together for five months have conceived naturally and have oh. gone on to since wow. to a healthy baby. And they, you know, this whilst we know the research and we we believe wholeheartedly in that there's nothing quite like seeing it with your own eyes it's just oh, it's bet. really yeah. cool and it it's does, amazing yeah it does have such a big impact so there's hope for people if they're feeling mm. lost there is absolutely hope if you haven't looked at your nutrition mm. um there's there's a real opportunity there which is great yeah well thank you so much yeah, for sharing you. with us today pleasure thank you thanks for having me it's lovely to chat to you both 